And then put your finger or bookmark or something over at Revelations 22. And like Pastor Denny said, we're going to wrap up the series Facing Your Fears. And because we took, a, I think it was just a week off, um, I want to just kind of give you a snapshot. Let's run through it, a summary of the first few weeks here so we can get it fresh in our mind again, and then we'll jump into today's message. Um, through the series, we studied fear in three main areas of our lives, faith, finances, and the future. The first two weeks, we focused just on fear itself, and some main points from that first week include faith, puts limitations, sorry, fear puts limitations on God by focusing only on what we can do. Fear says we're not big enough, we're not strong enough, we don't have enough. They're all we statements, what we can do ourselves. Fear is faith that something bad is going to happen. Worry and anxiety are symptoms of fear that are anchored in this world. What you have, what you don't have, what you might lose, none of which are anchored in heaven. Worry and anxiety is believing that this world is all you have. Then the second week we focused on 2 Timothy chapter 1, 7, which states all that God has given us for overcoming any and all fears, which is power, love, and a sound mind. You have been given authority over all the power of the enemy. And I use that uh, illustration of the sheriff. The sheriff has a badge, he has authority, but he also carries a gun, which is power. We have been given authority over all the power of the enemy. So who's the new sheriff in town? We are. We are. Wake up. Come on, people. Wake up. We are. And the only way the enemy can gain power over you is through wrong thinking. That's how we submit our authority to him. Is when we believe the lie, we empower the liar. We give him our authority. Perfect love casts out all fear. But the kicker is we have to receive that love. Just because it's there doesn't mean we're walking in it until we receive it. Perfect love casts out all fear. The third week we focused on faith or fear. We learned the opposite of fear is not courage, it's faith. We looked at the parable of the sower where Jesus said the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries or the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The word cares is defined double-minded. It's thinking earthly and heavenly at the same time. You can't do both. That's why you can quote all the right scriptures, pray all the right prayers, and it just seems like nothing ever happens. It's because double-mindedness renders the word unfruitful in your life. Again, the opposite of fear is not courage or boldness. Remember, it's faith, trusting in God. Then in part four of Facing Your Fears, we focused on fear in finances. For most people, the only fear they can pinpoint in their finances is the lack thereof. 
From toiling to worrying, hoarding seems to be their only answer. Mine, 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 right? The seagulls and Finding Nemo. Mine, mine, mine. We concluded the message with a couple challenging questions. Who is really your provider? When you go in and you shut the door, who are you really trusting to meet your needs? You see, your worry and your anxiety over your finances only proves that your provision is in your hands and not in God's. And then we ask, what have you done with what you've been given? You see, God is trying to teach us obedience and trust, and he uses our resources to do that. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Will you be obedient? He puts something in your hand, and then he asks, what will you do with it? Like the widow with the little bit of oil. Like the little boy with the little lunch. Like the forgiven woman who only had a jar of perfume. Like the fisherman who only had a net. Like the little shepherd boy who only had a sling and a stone. Again, it's not how much or how little you have, but what you do with it. So today we're going to wrap up the series, Facing Your Fears. Now that you're all caught up, this is part five, Facing Your Fears. And this is fear of the future. So why do people fear the future? What causes people to fear the future? And what's in the future? That's so fearful. Is it the fear of poverty? Is it the fear of being alone? The fear of war? The fear of death? The fear of heaven? Fear of hell? More than likely, all our fears of the future can be wrapped into one word. The unknown. Not knowing causes more people to worry than anything else. And what are they really worrying about? They don't know. Humans have always been scared of the unknown. When Christopher Columbus sailed across the ocean, people were scared. Scared of what? They didn't know. What's out there? I don't know. Was he just going to sail off the edge of the earth? There is a stigma of the unknown for the obvious reasons. We're not sure. We just don't understand. We don't know. Most individuals will admit their need to know is more than an inner curiosity. It is a real and ever-present need to their life. I have to know. I have to know. So... I want to share with you, we're going to look at this. God gives us a formula in his word that will erase the fear of the unknown. So let's read it together in Titus chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of the time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God, our Savior. Now that made perfect sense, right? 
You ever feel like you're reading and it's kind of like I'm just reading to reading to check off, you know, I read my three chapters for the day. And more than likely, you probably feel like I just felt uh, like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. You probably got more out of that, didn't you? Yeah, I understand Charlie Brown's teacher. Than you did out of what I just read. Well, it's because you need to remember, slow down. And look at each word, because right here in these few verses is a formula that will erase the fear of the unknown. So let's look at it again, adding some emphasis. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect. What he's about ready to share with you is to increase your faith. Do you need faith to live as a Christian in this world? Yeah, this is for your faith, to build up your faith. For the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. A faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life. Now, I wanted to put together a slide for you with this formula. I'm not a mathematician, but I do understand a little bit of algebra, especially now I guess they call it basic or pre-algebra, but formulas. I do like formulas. And when I saw this, immediately the formula, and see, I, I even wrote it out in my Bible. But let me help you. You get it? See my imaginary pen here? I'm going to write so you can read it this way. See, I can write backwards, okay? Faith, and then in parentheses, is knowledge plus godliness over the hope of eternal life. Do you see the formula there? Faith, and then in parentheses, is knowledge plus godliness over the hope of eternal life. Let me ask you, for all you who have completed pre-algebra, what do you do first? You add what's in the parentheses. Just helping you here. It's okay. The sixth graders are in here, right? You guys know this, right? Okay. You add what's in there. You need a knowledge that's paired with, added to, godliness, a right living. And that multiplies, multiplies your faith. And it rests upon the hope of eternal life. You see the formula? That will erase all the fear of the unknown. And now let's break it down a little bit. Faith. I like what F.B. Meyer says about faith. He says, what is true of the natural qualities of the soul is preeminently true of faith. So long as we are quietly at rest amid favorable and undisturbed surroundings, faith sleeps as an undeveloped sinew within us. But when we are pushed out from all these surroundings with nothing but God to look to, then faith grows suddenly into a cable, a monarch oak, a master principle of the life. As long as the bird lingers in the nest, it will not know the luxury of flight. 
As long as the trembling boy holds to the bank or keeps his toes on the bottom of the water, he will not learn the ecstasy of swimming with the ocean waves. You see, your faith needs to be stretched. It needs to be multiplied. James 1 says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters. I've shared this one with you before. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops or produces perseverance. And then perseverance, once it finishes its course in your life through all these nice testings and trials, it will make you mature, complete, not lacking anything. But faith has to be pushed. It has to be tried. It has to be developed. It must be stretched. It must be put to use in order to be of use. What do you need faith for? Everything. If you can do anything without it, what do you need it for? Faith must be used to be of use. My dad gave me a quote a while ago. I wrote it down in my notes. It says, when the roots of faith are deep, there is no reason to fear the wind. The next one, knowledge plus goodness. Remember, knowledge is learning truth. Knowledge is learning truth. But this is not talking just about knowledge alone. Otherwise, it would just be a head, a head knowledge. It's just, you're just filling up. You'd be no better than the Pharisees or Sadducees. And you see, they were just fair, you see. And some were sad, you see. But they're just... Up there, this is talking about knowledge and godliness. It has to work together. It says knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. It's walking out what you're learning. John 8.32, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, you've heard people quote the other half of that, right? They quote it all the time. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, yes, that's the second half of that. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you live out my word, then you're my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because then it's in you. It's not just a head knowledge. It's a, I've, I've learned it. I know it because I live it. Now I walk free. And I like this. Proverbs chapter 3. Here it is. Knowledge plus godliness. This is talking about wisdom, understanding, sound judgment, and discretion must all go together. And in verses 21 through 26, it says, My son, do not let wisdom, which is the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. Do not let wisdom and understanding, knowing the truth, out of your sight, preserve sound judgment, which means making right decisions, and discretion, godliness, doing what you're called to do. 
For they will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. You'll have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. You see all the promises there? First start with if. If. Do not let wisdom out of your sight and understanding and sound judgment and discretion. They all go together. Knowledge plus godliness. It has to be all of them. It can't just be one or the other. Well, I've got good deeds. I have faith. Or have you heard that one before? Come on. They have to go together. It's knowledge and godliness. And then the last part of the formula, the hope of eternal life. Again, the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Jesus said in John 14, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Don't be troubled. Don't fear. I've got this all worked out. My father, God, promised before the beginning of the world to make a place for you. An eternal life. Eternal life with him. Let me read to you Revelations chapter 22. And if you didn't notice, that's the last book of the Bible. That's the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. You ever pick up a good novel and you're about ready to sit down and dig into it and a cousin stops over and says, oh, I read that book. Let me tell you how it ends. And you're like, no, 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 shh, don't tell me. Well, God says, hey, you want to see the good stuff? Jump to the end. It's right here. You want to you know what the hope of eternal life is? You want to know what your home looks like? It's right here. It's okay to jump to the end because that's the hope. So that when you're going through the trials and the tribulations and the, you know, oh, and the testing and the perseverance and oh, the hope makes the anchor for your soul that I can do this. The pain won't last forever. The trouble won't go on forever. There's hope. So let me just read to you verses 1 through 7. I love this. The angel showed... Me, the river of the water of life, as as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. 
The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Verse 7, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Here's a key point. Erasing the fear of the future, erasing the fear of the unknown, is to know what's in your future. This entire sermon could be wrapped up in one sentence and without trying to sound too morbid. Who says you have passed today? You might be sitting here worrying and fretting and, oh, I don't know, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next week? You know, the bill is due in two days. Uh, you know, there might be, there's a pending layoff. That's Who says you have passed today? You don't know. Today may be the day that you're called to stand before God and give an account of what you did and did not do. Are you ready? Luke chapter 12, verse 13 says, Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me as a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and big, build bigger ones. And there will, I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Is that what causes you to fear the future? The fear of standing before God? Your fear of the future judgment is an alarm bell that there's something wrong with your relationship with God. Don't question your identity with God. That's not what I'm saying. That's what Satan tries to get you to do. That's what he tried to do to Jesus when tempting Jesus. Oh, if you are the son of God, do this, do that. But I'm saying it's very wise to question your actions. Is what I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I doing what I'm commanded to do? Matthew 7, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform all these miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never 
knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Just because you call Jesus your Lord does not mean you're living as if he's really your Lord. You know, we need to insert a little bit more fear of the Lord into our lives. See, these days, it's like, oh no, that's bad. Don't, yeah, no, we don't live like that. And No, I'm not talking about a fear like a fear of punishment. Fear of the Lord is a, a reverence, a honoring of the love that's given. That I want to walk in such a way that does not hurt the heart of God. Like I said before, that my life is lived as a memorial to the sacrifice that Jesus made. That's walking in the fear of the Lord. And the word says that's the beginning of wisdom. That's the right way to live. It teaches us that living our life for one puts everything else in place. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these other things will be added unto you. They'll just fall into place. When you live your life for God, for one, for him, Lord, what you says matter. These little things don't matter. You matter. That's walking in the fear of the Lord. As long as we focus on that which we can do nothing about, fear will always be present in our lives. But faith knows that God stands waiting to walk us through the unknown. Corey Tenboom says, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to an all-knowing God. I like that. You don't have to be fearful of the future. You don't have to be fearful of the unknown when you're walking with God. And Proverbs 3 says, When you, what did it say? Wisdom. Going back here, wisdom, understanding, sound judgment, discretion. When you keep all those things in your life, knowledge plus godliness, one of the promises, God will always be at your side. You don't have to fear anything. God is always at your side. So the formula again, see it again, faith and knowledge plus godliness. It's, yeah, that's right. It's over the hope of eternal life. It rests upon the hope of eternal life. Now, like I said, I'm not a mathematician, but I know that formulas work when you put all the parts together. When you try to pick one part out and think, you know, I, there's going to be this grand scale in heaven that as long as I have a little bit more good things than bad things. My good's going to outweigh my bad and I'm going to be able to get in. It's okay. Or I can really, I got the faith thing down. I can get the knowledge thing down because I can learn, I can read. It just comes easy to me. But the godliness, well, as long as I, you know, like I said, just do a little bit more good things than bad things, I'll be okay. It doesn't work. The formula doesn't work. When, what we just reread in, in Proverbs 3, those were and statements, not or statements. Wisdom and understanding and sound judgment and 
They're and statements. Discretion. It takes all of them. Then the promises. There's always ifs, conditions, and promises. If. So you can't pick and choose what part of the formula you want. So the two key points, fear of the Lord lives in the present, but hopes in the future. Fear of the Lord lives in the present, but hopes in the future. And to erase the fear of the future, the fear of the unknown, is to know what's in your future. So as Crystal comes back up, I want to just close out the service by asking a couple questions, and then I want to read the end of chapter 22 there of Revelations. But let me ask you, again, your fear of the future is an alarm bell. If you have fear or, I know you don't want to call it fear. I I can tell right now you guys are like, oh, I have no fear. fear." Um, You can slap lipstick on a pig, still makes it a pig. I'm sorry to tell you. So you can pretty it up, put a bow on it. So you can call it anything you want. I don't care. But if if, if it almost, like flutters your heart let me try to make it nicely it if it causes you to question it, uh, when I ask are you ready to stand before the Lord because again it, like the parable that Jesus said you know the guy thought he had everything I'm gonna be build bigger barns and stock my store of seed away and and relax and take it easy I've lived a good life and now I get to enjoy it and he said you fool you don't know that tonight your life is going to be demanded of you you don't know what tomorrow holds you don't know what today holds let's just be really honest we don't know what the next two seconds hold well now we do it's done anyway but then you don't know Right? But I'm saying, what I'm asking you is that if you have any cautious feelings about your confidence of standing before God, it's an alarm bell that there's something wrong with your relationship or there's something wrong with what you've been living or how you've been living. You know, like the formula there, you've been real good at this point or that point, but you know. This is where I've been missing the mark, let's just say. Um, So my questions for you today is, are you doing the will of the Father? Remember, Lord, Lord, they said. They said, the only ones that are getting into heaven are those who do the will of my Father. Are you doing the will of the Father? And the other question is, like I just talked about, are you ready and confident to stand before God and give an account of your life today? You need to ask yourself that every day, a few times a day. That's walking in the fear of the Lord. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I doing what I'm commanded to do? That's walking in the fear of the Lord is what I'm doing, honoring God, fulfilling what I'm called to do. Because that gives you the confidence that I can stand before God and give an account. Let me just read the end part of this. Because here it is. Remember, it rests upon the hope of eternal life. In verse 12, 
He goes on to say, Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexual, sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. He gives you a choice. And he lays it all out for you. If this is what you want, this is what you need to do. It's so easy. And you're like, oh, why do you have to give us a choice? If it's so good, why couldn't he just give it to us anyway? Well, where's the love in that? That's just robots. That, that's not love. When, when it's forced, when there's no choice, it's not love. Right? As a matter of fact, they hashtag that one right now. Me too, right? be a choice for it to be true love. He loved you enough that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever chooses, whoever wills, whoever accepts, then they'll have eternal life. So let's do that. Before we stand up, let's just close our eyes and bow our head. Let's ask God to do what he does all the time and that search our hearts and minds right now. Not for him to see, he already knows. It's to make us aware. Is there something in me? God, would you please search me by the power of your Holy Spirit and let me know, God, is there something in me, Lord, that I'm not doing or I'm doing wrong or I'm thinking wrong or I'm believing wrong? that has kept me from surrendering and walking in total surrender to you, God, as the leader and the Lord of my life. Is there something that I'm fearful of, maybe that I, I don't even understand yet, the, the unknown, the future? God, bring it to just bring it out right now. Search my heart. Search my mind. Search us, God. And God, as quick as you shine a light on us, help us to repent of it. Help us, Lord, to just turn it over to you. God, we're so sorry, Lord, that we've been fearful, that we've been hoarding up stuff, that we've been trying to just live life on our own, God, and, and think by just calling you Lord, it's going to be good enough. Or by just doing enough good things. If we just go to church on Sunday, Lord, that, you know, it somehow has bought us a ticket to enter into heaven. God, forgive us for believing these, these lies that the enemy has, has put in our minds to believe. God, when you've made your words so simple before us, 
help us. Help us. Your word says that you've given us the spirit inside of us that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to do everything you've commanded us to do. It's your power. It's your strength in us working and walking through us, God. And we just surrender to you. Why do we try to complicate it? Why do we try to make things so difficult when you've made it so simple for us? Mm. Help us to be single-minded, not double-minded, single-minded. Earthly-minded will not rule us anymore. Earthly mindset will not rule us anymore. But God, kingdom mindset, a kingdom thinking, Your word says that you've given us the mind of Christ. Why do we keep trying to take it off like a a hat we can wear once a week? Every day. We can walk your word out every day in our life. We'll know the truth. Why? When we hold on to your teaching, we live your word. We'll know your truth. (laughs) And we will be set free. Everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed. I don't want to go on to open up the altars yet. I want to pray for those who might need prayer. If you would just admit that, yeah, I've had a little fear. I'm not ready. I feel like I'm not ready. Um, If my life was demanded of me today to stand before God and give an account. But you're ready. Today's your day. You want to make it right. I want to pray with you. Would you just so nobody else can see, but just I can see. I want to pray with you. Slip up your hand so I can see. I see your hand. I see your hand. That's right. Why wait? Why wait? What are you waiting for? To try to take care of things yourself? How's that been going for you? Waiting to walk you through the unknown. If, if, if you'll choose. So Father, you've seen the hands. You know the hearts. God, right now I just ask that you would just flood their hearts with your presence. That you would help them by the power of your Holy Spirit to confess, Lord, any sins, Lord, right out to you right now. Lord, forgive them, Lord. Wash them, wash them, wash them, wash them. Wash their robes, as Revelations 22 said. Wash their robes. Wash them completely, inside and out, God. Make them new creatures in you. New, new live life for you as their leader and Lord, Savior of all, for your glory. So let's just open up the altar. Let's worship together. So would you stand? And I don't want you to run out. We've got plenty of time to just worship together. And the prayer team is here, so they want to pray with you. If you've been, if you have uh, something you need prayer for, whether it's uh, personal, emotional, physical, financial, whatever it is, don't be shy and please come up and get prayer for. So why don't you just start coming up front? Let's worship together.
but gives grace to the humble. 